Extreme Vocabulary is not your typical word of the day podcast. On Extreme Vocabulary, we don't just define words, we contextualize them in terms of their history, etymology, politics, and aesthetics. In other words, we look at the culture behind words. And I'm here, ish, with ish, Abe. Hey, what's up? Efren. Hey, what's up, y'all? Aaron. Top of the morning. And I'm Josh. <laughs> and uh, we've never done a recording like this before. I wonder how many podcasts are starting like that now. Many. Are we going to upload everything, like, in, including the video, to for viewing, or is it just audio? Um, no, we could upload the video if you want to. But I'm going to separate the audio so I can still put it out as a podcast. Nice. Okay. I don't know if our chat is being recorded right now, if it's going to be on the video. <laughs> well, well, somebody already messed it up then. <laughs> so I, I just don't know that part. Can't you just do the blurry thing where you pixelate, like where you use giant pixels to block things out, you know? Mm. He, he sure can. <laughs> You're talking yeah. about my day job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe we could do that. <laughs> Although, who cares? It's actually just a series of symbols that only have a metaphorical uh, meaning. Yeah. You know what's weird about being on, on Zoom the way we are right now is that... Uh, well, it, one thing is that, you know, because everybody's social distancing and staying at home is that you get to see like a little bit of their homes and it's mm -hmm. always a little bit funny, even when, you know, they don't have anything surprising or anything like that. Yeah. And then the other thing is just like seeing what people are also wearing. <laughs> yeah. It's like people got a little bit lazy, you know, and they're just kind of wearing whatever now. Well, today I was doing interviews with my students and I put on a shirt and tie and everything, but no pants. <laughs> no pants. I hope you didn't call attention to that, did you? Never once. <laughs> yeah, well, as long as you don't like turn the camera downward or something, you're fine. Why, why would I do that? <laughs> or if like your camera falls on you or something like I, that. You I, know, I don't know about your pedagogical practices. Or there. if you have a <laughs> diarrhea emergency and you have to stand up and run out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I try no to, with me. I try to put on my pants, but I don't know. Sometimes I forget that I have them on. I try and put them on one leg at a time. Yeah, I think that's the typical practice, right? One leg at a time. No, I they toss recommend. mine. I toss mine up in the air, and then I sh I shoot my legs upwards into them. <laughs> no that is a way of doing it you can put your legs in both at the same time especially if you are like trying to squeeze into them then you just get on the bed and you like pull up i think you're the only one who wears jeans that tight josh well i gotta remember that i'm wearing them gotta you know <laughs> otherwise i'd forget i had them on yeah <laughs> today's word Sartorial. Yeah, sartorial. 
Colonel Sartorius? No, Sartorial. We have a Colonel Sartorial. Um, we have two Americanists right here. You guys could riff on um, Faulkner, right? Yeah, I, I certainly could. If it comes, what is that Faulkner novel? That's um. Oh God, that's Absalom, Absalom. Oh, and and what's his name again? General what? Colonel John oh, Sartoris. Sartoris. So his last name was Taylor. Yes. <laughs> wait, wait, you're jumping ahead. You gotta, you gotta get these people educated first. You're the one jumping ahead. Okay, so sartorial. That becomes a perfect segue uh, for you to bring it back to you. Go, go. You know. <laughs> All right, I will. Sartorial is an adjective, so it's describing something, and its root word is sartor, which is a noun, and then of course it has the suffix al, so sartorial. Um, and it's really describing anything that belongs to a tailor or that has to do with tailoring or something that's characteristic of a tailor or tailoring. So <clears throat> it's etymology. Um, it does come from the Latin, uh, the Latin sartorius. And that word sart, it actually means something like, um, well, it means to cut or to make whole. And uh, yeah, that's where uh, John Paul Taylor gets his name. You guys know John Paul Taylor? Or Jean Paul Taylor? Jean Paul Taylor? Yeah, you know, the, the philosopher who, who wore glasses, was a little bit cross-eyed. <laughs> that, that, that's a lot of them. So he's trying to name himself after Sartre. So he <laughs> changed it to pun, to uh, a pun on Sartre. Yeah, Sartre, Jean-Paul Jean Sartre, his last name means Taylor, um, and it comes from the word Sartor. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, so Jean-Paul Taylor. Um, that went over about 60% of the audience's heads, I think. <laughs> All good. It went over my head and then back in through the other side. Which is how it usually happens for you. Well, anyway, I mean, if my jokes are going over your head, it's because the word sartorial itself should go over your head because sartorial was really a kind of joke word, right? Because in English, we already have the word tailor, you know, like the person who like mends your clothes or can make clothes or who makes your suit or whatever, right? Today, we call them fashion designers. But like sartorial itself was like just an extra word that's that's kind of pedantic you know it's like a word that some academic would come up with and because they don't want to use the words are tailor so then or tailor right or something like that so then they would come up with something based in the latin language or greek and so it, it's really a kind of joke you know um and it's it's a word that's not used very frequently it's kind of on the level of of a word like insectivore. Think of the last time you used the word insectivore and that's how often the word sartorial comes up in like writing or in like uh, in speech or anything else like that, you know, or discourses. I Josh, almost- a Video game about insectivore? <laughs> insectivore. That's the title <laughs> screen. No, but actually, <laughs> Okay, I have a question though. It's an adjective, right? Sartorial? 
Yeah. What's the adjectival form of tailor or how would I even use it as an adjective? Uh, I, I actually don't know. What, what tailor made. Tailored, tailor made. Tailor then it becomes made. an adverb at that point. Right. I don't know. Would it be something like tailorite? No? Tell you right. The adjective right. Well, I guess tailored suit. You have a tailored suit. That's a Oh right. Yeah, tailored suit. Tailored. Yeah. <laughs> We're struggling here, but it's actually tailored. Yeah. Yeah. But if I want if I say that I'm going on a sartorial journey, does that mean I'm going on a quest to buy a suit? You're going on a Macklemore quest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it could mean that, definitely. Um, yeah. The one place I've heard the word used a lot is actually online with like fashion blogs and fashion channels. You know, the sartorial, you know, the thrifty sartorial thrift person or the sartorial this, the sartorial that. So it's like, I think it's probably used more in the blogosphere or the internet, you know, community than it is otherwise anywhere else wait so in that sense if a person is sartorial it means they're like well suited well tailored yeah like they're well dressed oh so fashionable would be a synonym right oh uh, that's a good question we need a language here i mean we could say we could say that like somebody could use it that way right it's uh sartorial is a way of saying somebody's fashionable or something like that um oh, i meant sartorially bad oh <laughs> bad i'm just kidding oh but <laughs> just the pure adjective doesn't it's funny because it doesn't have a it doesn't actually have a what's it like a qualifier mm -hmm. to say whether or not it would be good or bad, but it's just good. Or you mean like neutral? You mean it's neutral? It should be neutral, right? Because it just means tailored or something. Right. Or something having to do with that, right? But yeah. But okay, the reason why it's like humorously pedantic is again because we already have the word tailor, right? Or tailored but then like somebody decides like oh let's let's come up with a word that's like based in the latin and that's actually what uh thomas carlyle did in his book sartor resartis which the title translates to the, the tailor retailored is that he's using it in this like really funny pedantic way you know he's he's really just laughing at academics and like the way they talk um so yeah, and actually, um, like most of the examples that the Oxford English Dictionary has for the word sartorial, they come from the 1800s. And that's including Thomas Carlyle's book. So yeah. Um, I could throw out a few more versions uh, or other uh, forms of the word. So of course, there's the word sartor, which is the noun. And I already mentioned that it comes from the Latin and it's borrowed into English and it means patcher or mender. Oh. Um, there's also the adverb sartorially. There's also sartorian, which is like sartorial. It's also an adjective and it's pretty much the same thing. Um, 
there's sartorite. Um, maybe you know what that is, Josh, sartorite. What is that? It's a kind of mineral and it was named after some dude named Sartorius von Waltershausen, something like that. And so he got a mineral well, named do, after himself. I do love minerals. <laughs> they're not rocks, they're minerals. Wait, what made you think that I would know that? Because you're the science person. Sweet. I'm glad I have. <laughs> He's the science officer. <laughs> and the, well, dang! I just lost. <laughs> I just lost a rank, though, not knowing that mineral. You're the science, and Aaron's the history and geography, of course. Let me tell Aaron you. is also the. Uh, Aaron is also the uh, uh, the uh, official uh, word pronouncer or pronunciator, enunciator. Uh, Foreign language words? Yeah. Mm, I guess nobody else is doing it. Also, I think Abe deserves the title of a video gamer better uh, yeah. than I do, yeah. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, he's a bigger nerd. <laughs> Here's yeah. another word for you, um, Sartorius. So you were talking about Colonel Sartorius from Sartorius, yeah. Oh, sorry. or maybe it was Sartorius. So I'd have to look it up actually. And I don't do research, so hold on. Oh, what about that one, Josh? Do you know Sartorius? Do you know what your Sartorius <laughs> is? That's um, a personal question. <laughs> no, so it's actually Sartorius only, not Sartorius. Oh, all right. But well, it's, you know, it's a, it's a very direct allusion to that word, yes. Sartorius sounds cooler. Well, yeah, Sartorius, yeah, Sartorius is actually this, like, long, narrow muscle that crosses the front of your thigh, and it connects from your, uh, from your hip to your, um, to your knee joint. So oh. it's actually it's actually kind of cool because I I was looking looking it up you know just to see what that muscle looked like, and it's kind of like a, a stringy muscle you know so it's like a hamstring. thread. It's your hamstring up. Yeah, it's like a it's it's like a thread and it's it actually is kind of threading your bones right. I mean all muscles are doing that because they're all like stuck to your bone, but this one specifically is like moving from like the side of your hip and it like laps around the front of your leg and then it connects to like the inside uh the the right side of your knee right side of your of your knee yeah so it does this like interesting overlap i think so that is the like, hamstring yeah so it's a uh, kind of like thread you know so yeah but anyway, like a tailor oh cool yeah. oh okay mind blown I'm, I'm that student right now like a tailor oh my god <laughs> But the other thing is that actually that that muscle yeah. was named the sartorius because tailors would cross their legs in a certain way. And so like that muscle is kind of like right in the front. So, you know, like anytime they're trying to do their sewing, you know, they have to cross their legs a certain way. So that's why that muscle got named that way. That's an incredible fact, actually. That is, I don't even get that. Why did they have to cross their legs in a certain way? 
I didn't even know that. Spend hours on end um, Yeah, I think it was just like a comfortable position if you were going to do some sewing and you don't have a machine, by the way. You're doing it by hand or something like that. Mm. Brutal. Hamstrings, this is an important thing to think about. I do know that you got to stretch your hamstrings because if you get a tight hamstring situation, it actually makes you bend over. Like um, it pulls, by pulling your, um, that area, you kind of hunch over a little bit and um, that can lead to uh, long-term posture issues. I, I do know that. So you got to stretch your hamstrings by like stretching your whole, you're pushing your pelvis out and stretching backwards. Get or as my wife puts it, stretch your back, stretch your ass. <laughs> yeah. I, which I actually have an issue with this, I think. Uh, tight hamstring, I kind of slouch over a little bit. Yeah, I have it too, clearly. Wow. How, how, it's do, a, you, how, it's how do you stretch it again? You got to like push your pelvis out. You got to move your hip away from your knee kind of. And, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, because it's easy to let that thing get tight, but then that's causing your whole body to crunch up a little bit. This is now a workout pod, podcast, I think. Wait, what are we talking about here? <laughs> I just... Uh, the shake weight. These are the only things <laughs> I know. <laughs> the shake weight. Yeah. Really, what we should be talking about, though, is uh, your philosophy of clothes. Like, we all know that Efren is like oh, this guy over here. Right? Isn't that why you chose this word? Um, he's the doctor of Efren? style. Did I choose it? Probably. I uh, don't know. No, it was Aaron, right? I yeah, chose yeah. it for him. Yeah, which I approve of. Because <laughs> I know what's best. Yes. Yeah. So I, I'm really interested in this question of sartorial philosophy. I want to hear what people have to say about that. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, I think I think I can't really talk about sartorial philosophy without talking about race, actually, right? And the sort of role that clothing has had in terms of race in America, right? Uh, from the time of after uh, like Civil War, uh, like African American people often used uh, their clothing um, style and the way they dress in order to sort of portray themselves as, um, you know, as learned or as uh, a citizen. So I think like when people with people of color clothing takes on these other can take on these other registers, right. Of trying to say like, Hey, like I'm well-dressed, I'm, you know, whatever, whatever. So treat me as an equal, but you know, dress is a signifier for status and you know, education and all these yeah. things. Yeah. Especially cause you know, people can't always afford a, a great house or a great car to show status, but you, most people can afford to like, it, well, not most people, but a lot of people can can afford to like sort of at least try to dress as well as they can. And I think some people take that philosophy. Not me personally, but some people do. Yeah, and there's also the self-esteem factor as well, where a lot of people, maybe for some, it's actually an extreme in a lot of cases, I'm sure. But um, where they, you know, the shopping and doing that is their passion, right? And they they gain they gain a lot from it, essentially, right? That's a huge part of their character. Yeah, it's like taking that away is taking away their heroin in a way, you know. Yeah, for some people who can't really control much about their life, they can they can still control their clothing, right? 
Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, so yeah. Not me. I have no control over my clothing. Yeah, but you have control over everything else, Josh. <laughs> I don't think does so. Your, does all your clothing just appear? Basically, yes. All my clothes are like free or something. The only reason I wear I wear button-up shirts when I teach just so that I could be look like I care one minute more than they do about my appearance because my students are just usually wearing t-shirts and stuff like that and I just have to be like not blending in with them that's my only goal with that and I got all these shirts for like two dollars each at a at lucky jeans um sales like a factory sales Mm. when my wife worked there so literally yes they just appeared (laughs) i do have uh, some control over the uh pants i'm wearing right now i have like three uniqlo lounge pants which a rule for the coronavirus oh those are good yeah yeah i think i I get like uh 60 of my clothing from uniqlo oh wow i'm a fan yeah even this shirt, this V-neck I have on. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, I didn't know that, Efren. Yeah. I just like recently discovered Uniqlo. It's uh, w- when they have sales, I mean, they, you can get like dirt cheap clothing there for, you know, $10, $15. Do you think- Yeah, you Uniqlo, if you're listening, uh, sponsorship, Patreon. Sponsor us. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like their sartorial philosophy is like clothes can be like scientifically engineered or something <laughs> like that. It's, it's like yeah. they come up with some like, like like jacket that will keep you hot or cold depending on the situation or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's like you can't dry it because then it loses its technological power or something. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, Uniqlo also is based is their their sartorial philosophy is kind of like basics. You know, it's like basic colors, uh, basic uh, kind of fits, and they don't go too off the deep end with their what they release. You know, it's kind of the same uh, the same clothes every year. They will adjust here and there, but it's mostly the same. And it's uh, mm-hmm. Uniqlo, which is a Japanese company, but they don't sell kimonos. Or yeah. like traditional Japanese um, wear or anything, which is uh, uh, just when you were talking earlier about how people adopt the Western dress as a way to um, kind of show their sophistication. The whole world already did that. There's like nobody who is uh, using their traditional wear in like uh, public settings, except Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. Oh, right, right. Yeah, I guess if you have that much money, just <laughs> go for it. Yeah, they don't, because you know, it's like whenever you see the news and like there's a Saudi Arabian uh, prince or like premier and they're like walking with the president, like the president's wearing a suit and then the Saudi premier is just wearing their, you know, their whatever the equivalent of uh, dressy clothing is, but, you know. Yeah. 
Whereas every other country, they always wear a suit, right? Like Japan, Europe. Yeah. Yeah. I was just watching while the uh, Kardashians was on for some reason. That's because um, you changed the channel and you put it on the Kardashians. Mm-hmm. Can't get enough. I just can't wait to get like them. Let go of that dial. <laughs> I'm just running, running, keeping up. The um, oh yeah, but uh, they were they were like criticizing uh, Kim Kardashian of cultural appropriation because she named her like contour wear line kimono or something like that. Did it remotely resemble a kimono at all? No. Then yeah. Huh? How is it spelled? I think it's spelled like the Japanese thing, kimono. Oh, that is weird then. It's like basically underwear that just hmm. squeezes your body like to fit your dresses or whatever. What's the connection? Like, cause kimonos, is, you're supposed to be squeezed into those two. I don't know. Well, I guess, a, you know, the, it's a interesting connection because yeah, with kimonos, there are like bands in certain places that are yeah. going to do some compression, but I don't know why it was called that. I, I thought it was kind of compelling. Yeah, it's like uh, like uh, she doesn't have the copyright to kimonos, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know, the other thing that I remembered right now about like adopting Western styles of dress is that um, uh, a lot of like politicians, for example, like in South America, like adopted wearing wool suits because you know you know uh english takeover of like certain countries and all that right and and all that it's like wool suits were perfect for rainy and cold places like england and other european countries you know but like it doesn't really work for hot and humid places like some places in, in south america you know and so i <laughs> I mean, that's kind of funny. It's, it is like an attempt to like make yourself really uncomfortable for the sake of achieving some kind of class distinction. Um, yeah, that's kind of funny. You talk about that like that's a phenomenon that's never been heard of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it, well, yeah, that, I mean, that's a whole philosophy of clothes, right? Uh, that for example, like women's clothes, I think a lot of women's clothes is uncomfortable, but that like uncomfortable. You ever tried that? Not point. What's that? You ever tried those high heels? It's murder to walk in them. I think I have. Yeah, it is murder. <laughs> and that's just, you know the what is the other thing the. Um, it's like riding garter, <laughs> garter belts, right? And things of that nature, girdles. Mm-hmm. Corsets. Corset, that's even worse, yeah. Smash everything between my rib cage. <laughs> One of the things that I think, though, is that I think everybody has a sartorial philosophy, uh, whether they know it or not. They, they bring some kind of notion to how they dress themselves or are dressed. If they have a choice, I mean... If you're in a position where you have a choice, any type of choice, yeah. 
Oh, even if you don't have a choice, you might try to figure out a way to impose some choice on it. Like uh, when Will Smith in uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air turned his jacket inside out. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> mm. Didn't he do that with his hat, too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so there's, a, there's a connection there between the sartorial and agency, right? How one makes choices and what choices they can make. Think so. Mm. Yeah, and if you're in prison, you give yourself weird little prison tattoos because you have some philosophy that you just need to express. Yeah. And in prison, you can't do it with clothes. Yeah. Good. We're cooking with grease fire here. What do you guys think of like? Uh, yeah. What do you, What do you guys think of like? Uh, a lot of modern clothes that that is sexy because i feel like there's a isn't there like a weird paradox going on there it's like the idea of clothes is that like you're covering yourself right you're covering your body but then like <clears throat> like sexy clothes attempts to reveal the body without actually revealing it oh like sheer yeah it's oh. like um borges always says or has said uh, something implied is much more interesting than something stated outright. It <laughs> becomes more tempting that way, yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, clothes that suggests how sexy you are is, um, is probably like more desirable than nakedness. Like that's, yeah. that's the message we're getting out of that. No, I think it's true for people, for some reason. Me, I'm like a natural kind of guy. I think, uh, <laughs> like, I want to just go, go shaving class. <laughs> I wish I could just go into class, like, wearing beach shorts, you know? Just carrying and flip-flops. If you taught on the big island, yeah, you, you totally could do that. Yeah, Hawaiian shirt. Like, I can't chill out enough, but I just feel like it's wrong. I think some of my students would be like, hey, cool, it's the surfer teacher or something like that. But then deep down, they're like, this sucks. You know, I hate this guy. You don't think they already think like you're a surfer teacher or no? Do you surf? They think I'm pretending not to, which is good. You should wear like a Billabong shirt like next time and just tell us what happens. Mm. DNC I'm not, designs. I'm or a shirt with a picture of a bong. Buy Billabong. <laughs> what or get DNC? one of your $2 shirts that has a bong. <laughs> Ocean Pacific. You should wear some OP shorts to like teach. TNC surf. I want to get a TNC surf shirt with that gorilla like uh, surfing. Yes, yes. You know what I, exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. It would have to have a sense of nostalgia to it. Wait, are you talking about the NES game? Oh, yeah. That, mm -hmm. That's a surf company. I remember it. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Aren't, aren't those shirts, like, really expensive today? Probably. The, the original ones, yeah. The original ones. Oh, I think yeah? they started reprinting some of them. Oh. Anything that has nostalgic value, yeah. Hey... Do you think that like coronavirus is gonna like change fashion or something like that? Oh yeah, of course. It already did, right? Because we ha we have to wear like uh, masks. 
I mean, masks will become what, more fashionable. I mean, this is what I got now. You know, I got this like red beanie. Um, I mean, uh, bandido. Yeah, I almost got in trouble for wearing something so red. It was like day one of wearing bandanas, and a, a couple people looked at me twice, and they were like, "Oh wait, never mind." <laughs> Never mind. It's just the times. They know. thought you were a blood. I don't. They thought I needed shanking, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. Yeah, it's still dangerous to wear like a red bandana like this one. You know. That like, is so red, though. It yeah, makes you stand out. Yeah. For a target. We'll never buy a red car. Yeah, and then I'll wear like sunglasses glasses if I have to go out and then that combination like really covers up my face you know and it makes me look suspicious yeah we, we, I look like Robocop when I put the sunglasses and the black mask on <laughs> better alive you're coming with me so we got yeah so the mask thing that's a choice some of them have already been good choices and you're like oh man nice one what about like uh, neck down now that there's so many more Zoom meetings, you know what I mean? That do you think do you think there's gonna be like some sort of sartorial philosophy based around making your, yourself look good on Zoom? Hmm. It probably hmm. will be. If it goes on long enough. I mean I know like I since I haven't been able to get a haircut, I've been wearing like a beanie a lot, like a yeah, like a beanie. Just because, just to cover my hair up, because my hair is so unwieldy. So that's already changed my sort of philosophy too. I love everybody's hair these days. Your hair looks amazing. Don't know what you're talking about, Abe. Great fro. Aaron got the locks starting to flow, starting to flow. Even longer, yeah. Aaron used to have like locks. Yeah, uh, five years ago, maybe. We're gonna see them again. We might. I, I, I flirted with the idea. I turned 40 and I don't need to cut my hair anymore, which is weird. Mm. Like it just doesn't replace itself. By the way, Josh, (laughs) the the idea of like wearing sandals with cargo shorts and a t-shirt, I feel like that's the, the sartorial philosophy of like a rich white guy. Yeah. Who's just like, yeah, like I'm so comfortable, like all the time. Yeah, and a gold watch. <laughs> gold watch. Well, it, it, that... It's a very subtle way of whipping it out and dropping it on the table and saying, what? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the whole, that was the change, the sartorial change brought upon by the tech bubble, right? The tech boom, because those tech, young techies all dressed like that, they all dress really casual. Uh, you know, Zuckerberg's Adidas sandals with a hoodie is like an iconic sort of sartorial uh, choice. Yeah. And there's been like articles, articles about like that his refusal for a long time to wear any type of suit or anything, even at big business meetings with the billionaires, he would still wear his hoodie and his, his sandals um, for a long time. But I think he eventually switched. But at the beginning, Un- he just wore that uniform. Uncouth rich uh, new money. Yeah, for sure. When he went to Congress, he had to finally wear a suit or something. Yeah. What about, um, um, what was the Apple CEO again? He wore the turtlenecks, Steve. Jobs. uh, Oh, yeah. What do you guys make of that turtleneck, though? (laughs) That's all he wore. 
That's funny. Right. It was it was like a symptom of his issues, his mental issues that he had. Oh, really? Yeah, that, that's all he wanted to wear all the time. Like he had closets and closets of the same kind of turtleneck and, and slacks or whatever he wore. He wore like a pair of je- a kind of dad jeans, right? Like this oh, pair jeans, of jeans. I'm sorry, yeah. 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 Mom jeans even. He looked kind of hippie in those. Yeah. Yeah, there is a kind of hippie-ish vibe. I meant like his hips looked wide, actually. Oh. (laughs) But yeah, that's maybe part of being a hippie is like looking a little like you didn't think about your pants. Or a yuppie, right? It's like a a hippie who, who finally just bought into capitalism or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. I read somewhere, yeah, I read somewhere, by the way, that um, that people like him made made choices like that because they just didn't want to think about what they needed to wear in the morning. Because I feel like it does take up a certain amount of like brain power to think about what you're going to wear if you have too many choices. Mm-hmm. So they were really just like trying to cut down on the number of decisions they had to make each morning. Sounds about right. No, that's true. And actually, that's part of my own philosophy, to be honest. I, I try to get everything interchangeable. So, like, everything, all the pants I have should go with any, pretty much any shirt I have. And I just try to, like, make sure that the color tones are such that I could just throw on any two things I have and it should work. I don't know that it's always successful, but for the most part, it's, like, pretty, like, it's just, it's easy. Cool. Cool. All right. Should we do a break or should we just move to a literature corner? Um, would it be easier for you if we just move straight to the literature corner? I guess. Yeah, I guess. If nobody needs to go to the restroom, I don't really need to go. All right. As usual, on Extreme Vocabulary, We like to look at a piece of literature that uses today's word. And Efren, I think you found something. I did. And, you know, as I I often say, uh, I usually make some kind of comment on how easy or difficult this word was to find in literature. And this was a very difficult one to find. Um, I just, I'm not even sure that the word was used much in American lit. that I could see. I mean, usually what I do is I, I look, uh, I go, I usually start with novels. Right? I try to like find a novel that, you know, uh, that I think might have it. Like for instance, I thought maybe the great Gatsby would have used the word, um, mm. but it didn't, it didn't, it doesn't use the word tutorial in it. So uh, then my next step is to look at poetry and usually poetry will have something uh, that has the word. And I did find, uh, a couple of, a couple of, just a couple though. There's really only two things I found at all that use the word. And so we're gonna, I'm gonna talk about one of them. Uh, for this one, it, it's by the poet uh, Eileen Artabios, who's a writer, Philippine born writer, who ended up coming to the US and becoming a business, uh, kind of a business person and a writer. Uh, so she, I'm just gonna name a couple of her poetry collections. Uh, she has Beyond Life Sentences, poems from 1998, 
Ecstatic Mutations, Experiments in the Poetry Laboratory from 2000, uh, Reproductions of the Empty Flagpole from 2002. Uh, she also has many other collections uh, coming all the way up to the 2018, uh, like uh, Tercets from the last Arpelago. I always pronounce that wrong, but uh, today, so she's kind of a, I get the sense that she's just a poet who's sometimes writes about business, uh, the business world, the white collar world. And today I wanted to share uh, an excerpt from a poem called The Investment Banker, right? Maybe that's uh, appropriate for today's, uh, you know, in today's world. And the investment banker is kind of a prose poem. It has several sections, and I'm just going to read uh, one one paragraph of it. Uh, but I do want to say that the poem, in general, is about an investment banker and the kind of late nights that the investment banker works in, the sort of uh, the doldrums of working as an investment banker, uh, and sort of all the all the the ways the ways of of, of living associated with it. And in this. In this sort of section I'm going to read, uh, the, the, the speaker of the poem sort of considers their own life and they contrast it with uh, the life of a, of a former co-worker who got into hot water for some kind of um, sort of uh, sexual controversy. So I'm just going to read uh, the, this sort of uh, paragraph. This is, again, this is from the poem, The Investment Banker by Ivine R. T uh, Tabios. Uh, so this is the excerpt. I should fall in love, he thinks, as he reads a worn newspaper clipping. It has traveled throughout the firm and reached him at last. He flinches at the leers clinging to the message. His fingers feel wet, though the clipping is dry. The clipping is about Alan, quote, Swift Beeson, a man who once sat in an office down the hall. Once Swift was a tight muscle, tightly sheathed, was, was a tight muscle, tightly sheathed in Italian suits with double-breasted blazers, a sartorial sun amidst the human commodities forging together a partnership. It was an eccentricity allowed by Swift's ability to bleed rain from desiccated clients. Once, Swift also played squash every day. Now, Swift is clad in rough cotton and measures each passing moment in jail staring at rust and bricks. The newspaper reports how Swift went too far with a young blonde boy sheathed in leather and metal studs. Still, the investment banker suggests to himself that he, that he fall in love, despite Swift's ignominious end. He feels that Swift- Yeah, end. He feels that Swift still bested him by having felt certain compulsions about what he can only remain curious. So I'm going to read again uh, the part about Satorio. Once Swift was a tight muscle, tightly sheathed in Italian suits with double-breasted blazers, a Satorial sun amidst the human commodities forging together a partnership. A Satorial sun. This is from the poem, The Investment Banker by Eileen Tabios. Clearly a play on sun, S-O-N, and the sun, the center. Yeah, and I should say uh, that the in this uh, excerpt it's spelt S U N S U N, the Satorial Sun. Oh, so then alluding to the sun, but really alluding to the center sun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So right, it seems like this excerpt is about 
uh, the banker himself comparing his life to somebody who perhaps lived life more loudly than he and who got in trouble for it, but who he still kind of uh, uh, like wishes that maybe he could be as daring, uh, though it seems like his coworker did something illegal or not right ethically. The word commodity works for me because uh, having just said that, uh, commodity is more, do you guys know what they are, commodities? Like okay. buying and selling commodities? Yeah, you've heard of it, right? But what are commodities? Uh, they're various things that you can buy and sell. Sound like my student. Make a profit? Things. <laughs> like uh, um, investments. Okay, it's a type of investment, yeah. It's, it's, it's similar to, you know, stocks, but whereas stocks are more about chance and then um, where the market is, you know, leads it, commodities are more considered the safe route, right? You know, corn, oil, you know, things like, well, not oil is good right now, but you know, traditionally, you know, basic resources that are always going to be fashionable and in need. Bring oil back. And stocks. Huh? We need to save the oil market, guys. <laughs> right, what should we do? Drive more oil. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, so one of the reasons why I like this excerpt is that it sort of uh, speaks to what we talked about earlier, which is, you know, this person's that a person's clothing can perhaps speak to the way they live their life or the sort of freedom or the risks that they take. Right. This person was a sartorial son, this sort of a uh, bright, uh, this a uh, bright, uh, light in the uh, center of uh, maybe a lot of like uh, monotony, although you know it also leaked into this illegal activity. So I don't know. Yeah. So can you tell me more about a, what a double-breasted suit is all about, and maybe even how it looks? Or buttons? Does it say? Yeah. You know, like in a normal sport coat, uh, where it's sort of buttons together in the center. Mm -hmm. uh, there's only two, right? Yeah, there's two or three. Uh, whereas a double-breasted suit, there's one sort of flap that goes over the other, and then they button at the side. Uh, oh, so yeah. It's an, you'll, you'll know, you, if you see it, you'll know right away, oh, yeah, like in a lot of old-timey movies, um, a double-breasted suit is worn, yeah. It's a gangster suit. It's a very gangster suit, absolutely. If you watch an old, like maybe an old Humphrey Bogart movie, you might see some double-breasted suits. Uh, they came back into style briefly in the 90s. So you would see uh, some people wearing them in the 90s. I like Sartorial Sun. It sounds deep, but it's like, I like knowing that Sartorial, when I hear that word, it's not something deep. <laughs> it's literally like a joke or something, you know, it's like, but if you, if you heard a band called Sartorial Sun, it would sound so pretentious, you know? Like, Does that matter whether it's spelled S-O-N or S-U-N or it would still sound pretentious to you? It would sound pretentious either way, but knowing that it literally means a well-dressed son, that's hilarious to me. Mm -hmm. Or like nice. So what does it mean then that somebody wears a double-breasted suit? I mean, do people in business still wear that? Yeah, uh, business is known as a sort of space, especially like Wall Street, where people sort of play around with old style suits. I think if you ever watch the movie Wall Street, for instance, you'll see them wear some kind of old, um, old style type uh, suits or accents. 
like the sort of dress shirt that's like white at the collar but blue uh, the rest of the suit or the 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 tipped lapels on the on the the blazer like the 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 lapels sort of shoot up uh, those are very business sometimes double breasted as well pinstripes is another convention of business sometimes business people they it's kind of go or, boot, or bootleggers like finance specifically yeah, Does finance, definitely finance specifically. That whole scene in, in, in Wall Street is sort of known. People that for, like to throw around money, yeah. They're going to wear flashy suits more often. Mm-hmm. Does Roger Stone wear a double-breasted suit? Roger oh, yeah. Sto- yeah, Roger Stone is a perfect example of that sort of uh, aesthetic. Hmm. He puts a lot of thought and effort into his dress, yeah. All right, cool, cool. Well, any last thoughts on the poem? And what was the name of the poet again? Yeah, it's uh, I'll, I'll cut and paste it. I'll, it's Eileen Artabios. I'll uh, I'll give you the info. Cool. Really quickly for Abraham, what is the connection between tailors and spycraft? And spycraft. Where does that come? There's a John Le Care novel called Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Tailor being the second, you know, like one of the spies that he's referring to. And then there's also, you know, the, the Taylor of Panama. I don't know who wrote it, but it was a fairly moderately terrible movie with Pierce Brosnan and, and Jeffrey Rush. And Jeffrey Rush played the Taylor. But he was really, you know, he, he was like a retired guy, essentially. And then they kind of brought him back in when Nor- I think Noriega was being deposed. Isn't it secret compartments? Good enough Isn't for me. Con- Thanks. All right. Uh, should we just do that... Um... ZZ Top song and call it a day. Which one? Sharp, sharp dressed man. Oh, of course. It's kind of the coolest song about wearing good clothes. It's one of their best, better ones. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Did you know that ZZ Top is the, I read that they're the only band, no, they're the longest lasting band to have the same exact lineup. They've never changed their lineup. Yeah. What's the guitar's name? Billy, yeah. Billy, um, Dusty, Gibbons? Frank Beard, yeah. Bill Gibbons, Dusty, and Frank Beard. Frank Beard being the only one that doesn't have a beard. <laughs> cool. Speaking of, rock stars have some of the weirdest clothing choices ever. Wouldn't you? They do like leather, though. Like, you have to throw money around and uh, also make an artistic statement at the same time. I guess, right? Yeah, they... They look ridiculous sometimes, though. But yeah. like nobody ever, no, nobody ever says that they look ridiculous. They just say, like, they oh, look that's cool. awesome. Have you ever been on the internet? <laughs> you know what? Yeah, here's the thing about music is like, you could be the worst dressed person, but if you play the music the best in that moment, then like, it, it's forgiven. Yeah. You can yeah, even so- wear meat, you'll be forgiven. Yeah, I think I remember, uh, I think New, the Noel Gallagher, I think, said that the first time he saw the New York Dolls play, that he's like, these people, like, they look extremely ridiculous and extremely cool at the same time. Yeah, like Devo. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say that. <laughs> oh, and even the Beatles, they, they kind of started off wearing, like, unusual clothes and having oh, yeah. an unusual haircut. Like the Nehru jackets with the sort of, like, bangs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you just sound good, and you just change the world. Yeah, like it becomes cool because of them. Yeah, yeah. It made the mop top cool. How can nobody does that? 
Not even even Mo from the Three Stooges couldn't do that. <laughs> Mo himself, fashion icon. All right. Well, it was really nice seeing all of you. Yes. And learning again from your fantastic brains. I'm gonna go sell some commodities right now. All and, right. Uh, That's the safe route, man. Live adventurously. Uh, all right. Put your money into some obscure something that's going to take off. There's this, weird, like, there's this weird tech company called Zoom or something. They're a little late on this one. I hear it doubled. I hear it doubled in value in the past month. Ooh. I got in on the ground floor of that one, but oh well. Oh, okay. Yeah, I actually heard that they're kind of in trouble now that they got so big so fast because there were some like security flaws or something in the thing. We'll find Other out. People, I heard there was a, somebody who he mentioned in the article that during his dissertation meeting with his advisors, like somebody came in and just drew a dick over the screen. <laughs> Funny, yes, but imagine Good. if that was you. Oh. Hey, speaking of that, is there an art feature here on Zoom where I can like do spray paint or something on the screen? Uh, while we figure that out, let's uh, get out of here. And thank you very much. Um, yeah, that's it. All right. We'll thank see you, you next time. See you next time. Thank you, Josh, <laughs> our, pro our producer no. and comrade. No, no. Hey, here's your symbol. Oh, I just got to stop this recording. Shut